here we are. Well, well, well. This is kind of a sultry start off. Thank you. Um, how are you? I was really talking about my myself, but you're welcome. I'm good. I just want to say that I feel like I woke up this morning. I looked on the mirror and I thought, you are disgusting. Um, uh-huh. I sleep on my face. I don't know how you sleep, but I sleep literally on my face, face down into the pillow. Ugh. And I wake up with completely misshapen features and my hair going in completely strange directions. I actually don't know how you sleep face down. I think it's so alarming that you do that. I sleep face down like a mummy on its stomach with my hands underneath my breasts, if we're just going to be honest right now. I guess they're more underneath my shoulders, but crossed. It's so weird to me that you sleep like that. I've seen it only a few times, fortunately, and it's so strange. It really well, looks like sleep of the dead. It's very disturbing to me because I came in this morning. We went and got Starbucks, still looking like hell, no brush teeth. This whole situation was appalling. I come mm-hmm. in, and there's Wyatt sitting at the kitchen counter um, on his laptop and you know I just walked right past Wyatt looking like right. trash not caring and so then I'm I come back into the hallway and I hear Wyatt's voice upstairs mm-hmm. shivers run down my spine I realize I've not just walked past Wyatt I walked past Kagan <gasps> who's actually awake right now looking like the clown that I am and you know what I thought Chandler what I had I thought He's already bought – he, he kind of already bought the goods. Mm-hmm. So you might as well let him check me beneath the hood at this point. Is it wrong to say that I do feel like an engagement ring is an insurance policy on my relationship? No, it's not wrong at all. In fact, I, I feel like that engagement ring has – that insurance policy has already been extended to me. I'm going to let the listeners in on something that happened on Sunday that I'm not proud of. Something I don't do basically ever. But I literally accidentally farted in front of Kagan. <laughs> Lauren was asleep. Like, guys, I don't, I'm not, I actually truly, I'm not saying this to be annoying. I actually do not pass gas, if you will. I'm not a gassy person. And what I'll say is that essentially it's been a weekend of foods that I'm not typically used to. I mean, indulgent foods. And Lauren was asleep in the front seat and I accidentally farted in front of Kagan. And he didn't say anything. But I had this moment where I'm like, you've already bought Lauren an engagement ring. You guys are already together. Your wagons are basically hitched. Welcome Mm -hmm. to the family. Totally. I just feel like He's going to look at me looking like trash in the morning, look at my farty sister and just think, <laughs> you know what? I'm already some G's into this shiz. It's cheaper to keep her. Just stick with it. Just keep just, your head down. Let's just try to at least maximize the dollars. It's a cost benefit analysis. He's just going to look at me and he's going to tell us his accountant, she's a non-performing asset, but I still <laughs> want to keep her on the books. And you know what? I appreciate that cute a love a modern love story a modern love story it's just when you're traveling and you just feel like you're eating every food around you yeah and you feel like so bloated and disgusting and you're also your digestion is off oh i know this feeling very well and i have a looming camping trip this weekend and somehow i'm supposed to be like a sprightly sporty you know, sprightly sporty young enthusiastic fun outdoorsy fiance Oh my gosh, none of that is happening. That's half the reason I'm not going to go with you guys is because I'm just not feeling young and sporty. Can I tell you actually the most annoying thing about 
this van situation. What? Well, uh, the, do the listeners know about situation? the van situation? Okay. Kagan is all hot on getting a van, buying a van for the two of us to camp in. Because one of the most, the best things about Kagan is his passion for convenience. He loves seamless experiences and convenience. Right, right. So for him, he does not want to have to go camping and then set up a tent and do all this work once he gets there. He just wants to have a van and he wants to pull up somewhere and have it be really easy. Right, ready to go. Um, Plug and play. Ready to go. Plug and play. So he's super intent on getting a van. And I have said, I, this sounds really fun to me. I love the idea of just being able to drive and to go to random places all the time. This sounds really fun to me. I used to have a, a pretty granola past. Like I have been crunchy in my past. Is that accurate? I think you slept in a car for yeah a while. Okay. I never slept in a car. When you and, when you and your ex-boyfriend who will remain nameless would go camping, did you ever sleep in the car? Okay, when you say you slept in a car for a while, it makes you sound homeless. (laughs) So let's just, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just want to be a little more, yes, I never had to sleep in a car. And no, when I was dating my ex-boyfriend and I had a home of my own, or I rented a room in Provo, um, basically homeless, but (laughs) when I was at BYU, my ex-boyfriend and I, we would go camping and he would literally throw out a tarp and we would sleep in sleeping bags, no tent. I mean, no tent, no tent, Chandler. I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh So I know how to be crunchy. I've canyoneered many times. I've multi-pitch climbed. I've done the thing. I know how to, you know, wear your Tevas or whatever they're called. And Chacos. Wear your Chacos. I know how to scramble. And so Kagan has the gall to tell me last week. He says, you know, I don't like wearing a van. And I was like, why? And he was like, I just don't think you're that excited about it. (gasps) Like you're not showing enough enthusiasm about the van. He's already acting like Uh, I am the prissy girlfriend who is not crunchy enough. How dare he? How dare he? I literally looked at him with death in my eyes, daggers shooting out from my eyes. And I was like, excuse me. I have only been positive about this. What am I supposed to do? Do I am I supposed to have a vision board of oh vans? Gosh. Are you supposed to come home and I'm literally gluing cutouts of vans onto like, poster board from Michaels with just stars in my eyes? And am I supposed to just be like pre- comparing the pros and cons of I mean, the Nissan or the Mercedes Sprinter? <laughs> like, what do you want from me? I think he wanted you to like derail my birthday dinner with the talk of the van. I yeah, I think you just had bigger expectations. Out of your I, enthusiasm. It gave me PTSD because I one, once had one ex-boyfriend tell me that one of his big complaints with me was that I wasn't pushing him enough as an outdoorsman. Oh, my gosh. Yes. this was, I dated this guy. He was a geologist. He's actually a wonderful, sweet boy. But This he, is the same tarp situation, correct? This is a tarp situation. His name is Matt. I dated Matt. Um, I can just talk about it. He's chill. I adored Matt. Matt was wonderful. But we did not jive lifestyle-wise, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted to camp every other weekend. I wanted to camp once every six weeks maximum. And one day, he has the gall to look at me and tell me. He has the audacity uh, to tell me that I was not pushing him enough as an outdoorsman. I've had similar complaints with you, though. So I will say you don't truly push people to be better outdoorsmen. No, I This I is a no, fatal flaw of yours. Something you I need have, to reckon with. Listen, I have no interest in 
you being and um, the guy I'm with being in an outdoorsman, I have interest in you looking hot and maybe seem, maybe seeming rugged. But guess what? I would rather you know how to make money than know how to make a fire. Okay, <laughs> money is the fire of our generation. <laughs> I'm ready to say wow. it. I'm ready to be honest. And yes, so I looked at Kagan with death in my eyes, and he started laughing, and he said he was just you know, teasing me and that he's, we're really not getting a van because he is dead serious that we're moving to Puerto Rico, uh, March of 2021, which is like six months away. So wait, why, what does the van have to do though with you guys moving to Puerto Rico? Cause if we move to Puerto Rico, how are we going to get the van there? Oh, I mean, he was going to like buy it. I thought, I thought this was all for the weekend for renting. No, it. this is for buying a van. Right. Right. Wow. So anyway, it's a diatribe, but yeah, <sighs> I've ruined the van dreams and also announcing we're moving to Puerto Rico. Here's the thing. I'm just glad being outdoorsy is not like anyone in our family's personality because on the apps, I do feel like being outdoorsy is a common personality people think they have. And it's not being outdoorsy. is not a personality. Hammocking, not a personality. Slacklining, not a personality. Camping, not no. a personality. I think an outdoor aesthetic is a is an excuse Gorgeous. to not grow up in your life. Mm. Uh, yes. <laughs> and totally. outdoor aesthetic is just a way of saying I'm pushing off adulthood. Right, adulthood. Living I don't have van. it together. I don't have it together. I'm refusing to contribute to com- the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And an outdoor aesthetic really, it honestly is like a surrogate for a real personality and real interests. It totally is. And I think, yeah, it's, I think you're 100% right. And I'm just glad that none of us, you know, push ourselves to be better outdoorsmen because, frankly, I don't want to. I mean, you know what's funny? I have actually – I do like being outdoors. I used to only like being indoors, but then within the past few years, I've actually grown to like being outdoors Mm -hmm. and experiencing the elements. And because because I don't like it, I like it in like a 30% capacity. 70% of the time, I like to be indoors in a climate-controlled area. Mm -hmm. 30% of the time, I like being – not being in total control of my temperature and being outside. Like on a seated patio. On a seated patio. 30%. With a heater. Yes. Blanket, like seated, by the way. I don't like to be standing or, you know, any sort of exertion. Standing patios are tough. Standing patios are the worst. Like a bar top table, pass. I need a Rough. bar stool. Yeah. I'm Eat aging. On the Anyways, but I feel like people do not accept 30% outdoorsmen outdoors women like myself like you either have to be all in or you're like some sort of fraud like even when I go camping or do anything remotely outdoorsy now my friends are like oh she's outdoorsy and it's like I just like to do it a little bit okay I don't want to fully dive into the outdoor experience I never want to be that person no there's something just very unsettling about someone who's just obsessed with like trails Mm -hmm. and mountainsides dirt and yeah it's just to me This is what I want to say. I love the outdoors. I can say that I'm outdoorsy. I just don't like to spend the majority of my waking hours in the outdoors. I don't either. It's incredibly aging. Even when I'm like walking down the street, I'm just thinking, gosh, I would look so much younger if I just decided not to go on this walk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I don't, I would prefer to just stay inside at all times. I, or how about this? Enjoying the outdoors from the indoors. Let's go on a drive. Let's I sit love inside our house and look at the mountains. I love a drive. I love enjoying the great outdoors from behind a, a glass pane. That exactly. to me is romantic. It's stunning, uh, especially if it's a tinted window, less mm-hmm. UV exposure. With a hat on. With a hat, with gloves. Absolutely. Yeah. 
<sighs> yeah. So anyway, wish me luck. We're going camping this weekend and I have to somehow clear up my digest- digestive issues and be like hot and sprightly oh. so that Kagan Can- once again doesn't rethink this relationship and this engagement. C- camping's only going to accentuate those digestive issues, FYI. So I- buckle what? in. Are you? Do you want me to get a divorce before I'm even married? <laughs> of course not. That was an evil laugh and an evil, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Okay, you're a messed up person. Do you have anything to report going on? What's going on? Yes, Lauren, I do have things to report on. As if 2020 couldn't already get worse, as if this year wasn't already just a flaming dumpster fire, this morning, Dorinda has announced her departure from Real Housewives of New York City. It is news that shook the nation. I actually think they have paused all political campaigns. They mm-hmm. paused all like testing for the coronavirus. They Flat. paused everything so totally. that the nation can actually mourn this national tragedy. Right. The flags are at half mast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Dry um, cleaners across the nation have closed their doors for the day in, in, in solitude with Madame Claudette's. Sorry, listeners, if this is a little niche for you, Madame Claudette or Madame Pauline, whatever old person name it is, it's the name of John's dry cleaning service in New York City. John, uh, who is Dorinda's uh, ex-lover. Chandler, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah. Let's hear them. Okay. I want to say that I wish Dorinda had not fallen into the same trap, which is that she pretended she wasn't fired and said she was leaving. I know. I think it's not a good look. It's not a good look because we all know you were fired. Right. There have been four housewives in the history of the franchise who have left of their own volition. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're talking Bethany Frankel. Mm -hmm. We're talking Lisa Vanderpump. Mm -hmm. We're talking Lori Peterson from Real Housewives of OC. Throwback. Throwback. And we're talking Tinsley Mortimer. Two of those left for Lori married uh, George. This is going way back, but Lori married George, Tinsley married Scott, so they both left to have stable relationships. Major props to that. Totally. Or to have rich relationships, basically. Major props to that. Yeah. And then LVP obviously left because the heat just got too hot for her. Goodbye. She could handle being the villain. Goodbye, Kyle. Goodbye, Kyle. Yes. And Bethany left because she just didn't need it anymore. And it was very obvious that they all left. But everyone else has been fired when they've left. Unless there's a very obvious reason why they would leave the franchise, mm-hmm. they're not leaving of their own volition. And Dorinda also, she loves being famous. She goes on podcasts, which mm-hmm. was wonderful, obviously. She does cameos. The thirst is so real with her in a wonderful way. And in a wonderful way. I feel like, as mom always says, a man doesn't leave unless there's another ship in the harbor. Like, a housewife does not leave of her own volition unless there's another proverbial ship in the harbor. Mm-hmm. They only leave if there's something else that they're stepping toward. Right. Or they're really running away for something, and it's the hugest storyline everyone understands. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just wish Dorinda had said I wasn't renewed and just was honest about it. I think that would be more flattering. Like, I remember when Heather Dubrow pretended she wanted to go spend more time with her family. Aww. When Tamara Judge – oh, I think, you know what? Tamara Judge was actually forthcoming about the fact that she was fired. It's so wild. It's going to be a completely new landscape next year with these new seasons. Can I – I want to tell you this. I want to tell you something. I've had multiple people reach out in the DMs Mm -hmm. and say that they want an entire new cast for New York. Really? Here's what I'm going to say. If we can just get into it. I love Dorinda. I actually would prefer to keep Dorinda and lose uh, Luann, which is where we differ. 
I've been thinking a lot about this because we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I actually feel like I'd be fine with Luann as a friend. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think you're right. I think that a lot of people feel like we've seen it all. We've seen it all with Sonia. We've seen it all with Ramona right. and all with Luann. It's kind of tired and it's the same stuff think, over and over. I don't know if it's like this for you, but I think now there are tropes of getting way too plastered and making a fool of themselves. And I'm mainly speaking to Sonia. Um, yeah. Now it just truly feels sad. It's like, oh, this is a person who has a very broken relationship with alcohol. And now we're just totally, we've like you've said, we've seen it all. And it's like, how many... I don't know how much more can we get from you before it's just like this. We're just seeing a a plane crash happen on live TV. Yeah. Yeah. I have so many like fond memories of watching Sonia and Ramona completely plastered. But I think on some level there's, it isn't any new sloppiness to enjoy. It's kind of the same sloppiness. I think one thing as well is that, I think for for Sonia, I even say Sonia, like I take Dorinda over Sonia because here's what's really depressing. I don't like seeing Sonia struggle to come up with rent money. I really have a hard time watching that happen. I think seeing an older person who at one time had a lot of money and who's now trying to make ends meet and like living in their daughter's apartment, like it's just actually a little too depressing and doesn't provide me the escapism that I typically, you know, search for in Real Housewives. So you, so you don't want to see Sonia struggle. So you want her to lose her job. Yes. So she's off TV. So I she's just, struggling in in, uh, in silence. In silence. Okay. As long as we're clear. Yes, Lauren, that is correct. Okay, perfect. I want to say also, people, I know I'm contradicting myself on what I said on the stories, but I got a lot of responses to those stories that really made me think. And if there was a new crop of super wealthy New Yorkers that I could watch, I would honestly very much enjoy it. Just think about how much Leah has like given new life to the series. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I I, I hate ageism. I hate it, folks. I don't like it. It's big in my industry, but it's true. It's real. It's not about age because I don't think Leah, I don't think I care that much about Leah's youth, but I do. Yeah, you're right. But I think it's just the new blood. It's seeing new people, new relationships and new dynamics Mm -hmm. and new family dynasties. Like that is really fun. And we've just, yeah, we've seen it all with these legacy housewives. And I think- after people brought that up, I was like, you know what? You're right. I would be more excited for some fresh blood. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh blood, baby. <laughs> She's carnivorous, folks. Chan, now that we've dissected the the Roni news, should we? We've covered Roni. We're going to cut to the interview with our sister, our dearly beloved sister who's letting us stay with her. And I would say this episode gets you know more into the heart of some of our lives and personal philosophies. It's a yeah. little bit more serious. We talk about the trials and tribulations and the beauty of growing up Mormon and just how uh, our how it uh, shaped our outlooks now. Yeah. The effects it has on us as adults. And I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, yeah. We hope you all like it. If not, don't leave us a review. If, if you don't like it, don't let us know. Yeah. No feedback. No okay. feedback needed. Thank you. You know, it's been a hot summer day and... The only thing that really sounds good is a Mike's Heart Lemonade. Oh, my god! Oh, really? You want to bring that up, You have to tell Chandler. this story. You have to tell this story. Okay. Well, since since many of the sisters are here, I might as well tell a tale from our childhood. So um, I was 10 years old. I was a good Mormon girl. Wait, and... Lauren, when were you ever a good Mormon girl? Mm-hmm. When? Uh, I, when I was 10. That's basically okay. when okay. it ended. Yeah, 11 was That's a rough my... year for you. Yeah. Um, but back in the back in the good old days, 
I was babysitting for a family friend and they were not Mormon, no judgment there. Um, and I was at their house and I, and the baby was asleep and I was just watching TV and I thought I would love a refreshing beverage that would be delicious. And so I went into their garage and I went into their fridge and there was Coca-Cola and there was lemonade available to drink. And I, I, being a good Mormon girl, chose the virtuous choice. I chose the lemonade because I don't drink caffeine. Excuse me. I don't drink Coke. Um, never <laughs> had. All never drink. would. Yep. Yeah. This is basically um, a story what? about the beverages Lauren didn't drink and now how they become the beverages she exclusively she drinks. only drinks. <laughs> um, wait. <laughs> Let's um, pause hey, don't. I've never drank Mark's Our Lemonade. I'm just going to say that since this event, but... <laughs> Wait, pause really quick. Let's give some context. Did any of us, when was the first time y'all tried Diet Coke? Because for me, it was when I was 18. Yeah, I was, I was probably in high school for sure. But I so weird. It... That's like the main contraband in our life. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, us having a sip of Diet Coke would have like broken our mother's heart. Totally. Oh, there would have been tears. There would have been tears. tears. Mm-hmm. Genuine tears if your mom had a 32 ounce of Diet Coke. Truly until I was in college, I couldn't drink Diet Coke in the open in front of my mom. I remember going to like birthday parties and just seeing that there was like a two liter bottle of Coke and Diet Coke and just being crestfallen. This is a lost and fallen world. Yeah. No. And just, I guess I'm just going to have to drink water at this party. I remember when we were, when I was probably 18, I got a liter or not a liter, a 12 pack of diet cola. It was like the off brand, not Coke, caffeine free, cherry diet cola. And I put it in the outside fridge, in the fridge in our garage. And there were tears. There, a definite uh, upheaval ensued. Let's just put it that way. The diet cola was trashed without Mm -hmm. having been drunk. I think the words appearance of evil were uttered. Oh, a thousand percent they were. Yeah. It was, it was an interesting. So for some context as to why Lauren did not drink the Coke in said fridge. Yeah. Coke was contraband. Coke was completely off limits in our family. And so I chose the lemonade. I had no concept of alcohol, let alone alcoholic lemonade. This is something I don't understand. I didn't know what the word, I didn't know hard had any sort of meaning when it came to liquids. So I grab a Mike's hard lemonade from the fridge. I go back into the, into their house and I am watching Disney channel. I'm pretty sure I'm watching Lizzie McGuire with my pop, my Mike's hard lemonade, just sipping that thing. I noticed it tasted bitter. I will say that it was a, it was like one of the worst lemonades I've ever had in my life. But nonetheless, you you continue to nurse it. Nonetheless, I nursed that thing down and then I went for another. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So I'm, so then at this point now, I'm one and a half Mike's Hard Lemonades deep. When I'm reading on the bottle and I'm reading and it says 4.5% Alk slash Vol. And I'm like, Alk slash Vol, what does that mean? Alk slash Vol. And then it just clicked for me that it was alcohol and volume. I don't know, hooked on phonics really paid off or whatever. And <laughs> and I had a mental breakdown. I was like, God will never <gasps> forgive me. I've come I drank alcohol. Cause you know, I thought, oh, I'll go my whole life without drinking alcohol. So like I have lost my alcohol virginity and there's no getting it back. I am completely tainted. I was so 
disturbed. I called mom sobbing, uh, <laughs> tipsy and sobbing as a 10 year old. So mom comes over to the house that I was drink- that I was drinking at and, and that I was babysitting at as a 10 year old. And it was so funny because mom called our oldest sister, Ashley. I'm not sure why she thought Ashley would be an expert in like childhood alcoholism, alcoholism but yeah. childhood uh, tipsiness. But <laughs> So she comes well, over. I actually and think she just called like Ashley just to like she was like this is what's going on tonight. Oh yeah, maybe that's it. So Ashley though, she's like, how much any has she drinking? How much is she drinking? And my mom's like, almost two. And she's like, oh my gosh, she's gonna be drunk as a skunk. <laughs> I remember that vividly. I remember hearing that vividly and being petrified. And Ashley's like, you have to get her a bunch of food, have her drink a bunch of water. Oh my gosh. So and wait, then, you can drink. No, I don't. I just remember, I don't remember feeling like in any way different. I just remember feeling really scared and just guilty. Wait, do you remember what I said? I don't. So while mom was on the phone to Ashley, me being sweet, naive, darling, perfect, all those things, (laughs) I heard- For sure, I didn't care. Mom told me and I was like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) But me, I, I, (laughs) in the most sweet, uh, you know, I, uh. How do I say this? Spit it out. I spit it out. <laughs> I wanted to be there for you in whatever way I could and empathize. So I got on the phone and I said, Lauren, one time I drank Diet Coke. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's true. She did say that was that's Chandler. a huge that confession. So funny. Mm-hmm. You just Sorry. wanted mom to know that her, both of her daughters were sinners. Sorry. Sorry about it. I mean, Luckily, I think mom saw that the error of my ways was completely uh, not of my own volition and I was spared any sort of punishment or shaming. And But in the moments before she came over, I definitely was, the fear of God was in me. Not because of mom, but honestly because of God himself. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Honestly, Lauren, you were such a good little girl. Yeah, I really was. Does that actually scare you, Courtney? Because I was a pristine child until about the age of 12 when it all went downhill. Oh, and I remember you're still a good girl. Yeah, I, I was always was a good kid and I still am. Thank you. But I definitely like bega- became much more of a I contrarian. Mean, but I don't think James has anything serious to rebel against. No. Definitely not. And I think also, Lauren, what scares me most for James is that I just hope James goes through less of a Damien Rice phase. That's all. That's That would be my, my only hope for James. Yeah. I hope she doesn't have 10 years of solid angst, angst in her as but well. Does, but. like, having something to fight against with your parents make you interesting? Does that give you a better personality? I think it bonds you to your siblings more. Yeah, it's probably true. But also... I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. It's a, it is an interesting thing to think about as a parent, like, how much grief should your kids like endure that's like harmless and mild it's interesting because i i look back on growing up mormon and as being like i i was not into it from a very young age and i remember being in high school and getting coffee every day after seminary and this was like the deepest like the like i was such a rebel every day getting that coffee i oh. didn't have to do coke i didn't have to smoke weed all i do is totally. get coffee and i was already as rebellious as it got like i had the thrill i had the mm-hmm. high already and part of me does wonder like if you're such a like if you don't have all these crazy right. rules do your kids they're going to want to push some sort of boundaries right Please. do you create tighter boundaries just so when they push against them they're not pushing there's a bar right mm-hmm. there's a buffer i don't think so you don't think so? I think that 
your children need to feel like their parents are a safe place. And that is like a huge priority for me. And I think particularly because my oldest has like a personality like James, which is basically an earth angel. And she like doesn't want anyone to feel sad or she just really likes to be a, and like sometimes even Wyatt and I are like, nervous that she like likes to be too perfect or she's like too wrapped up in feeling like Mm -hmm. she's being perfect but I just want my kids to feel like I'm not trying to change them if my child is drinking in high school is that going to be a problem absolutely if my child is like disrespectful to other adults that's absolutely a problem I am not quite as interested in dictating who my children turn out to be yeah like so the, I guess, the solid, stable life, family structure. That if that is what they want, of course I want that. But if my child doesn't want to get married, if they don't want to have kids, there's just it's a lot more open ended for me. I just kind of feel like, what if you just talk to your children completely openly and we're like, totally. This is what like you don't want to. It's not that you don't. It's not that drinking in high school is going to be so terrible. It's going to ruin your life. But it's like the thing, the choices you can make while you're drunk. That it's not they won't ruin your life necessarily. But, but they, could. They, could, they could they they could ruin your life, but they also could just be really damaging. Like mm-hmm. you know, like that's I guess the the yeah. approach I would want to take. Like just being completely open and just having the honest discourse, you know? I think it's super important to yeah, to to what measure out and and to explain like the serious consequences of some of those choices because I don't think as a high schooler you fully understand them at all or you think you do but you really don't. That's one thing I want to say. Also, I just think that kids come the way they are and it just is a toss up with every new kid. Some kids are just going to rebel because they're just going to rebel. It doesn't matter how open-minded and safe their parents are. Like they just want to be a contrarian. And then I think some kids are just like more happy to just follow the rules and don't need that, don't desire to like rebel against their parents as much. I just think with like my oldest two children, they have such completely different personalities that like parenting them the same way will just never work. And so it is like an interesting strategy that like one size does not fit all totally basically, yeah. ever with your kids. And I think that's what's interesting about like having a religious upbringing is that maybe there's less space for that. I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely tricky. Well, and it's hard just like as in a family dynamic to have your siblings be parented differently. Yeah, I will say I was sitting in a group of friends recently and they were all had secular upbringings or relatively secular and they didn't have strict religious upbringings like we did. And the things they told me, like these are women with with master's degrees. They work in tech and SF. Like these are solid people. And literally like the things they told me they did at 14 and 15 years old, I was shocked like I didn't realize to be honest with you like what a late bloomer I really was or not even late bloomer but just like what a puritan I was as a kid comparatively it was and I don't say that with any judgment I just was shocked I was like I thought kids that did that that young like had major issues as adults so on some level it kind of gives you hope that like whatever your kids experiment with they're likely just going to turn out just the way they would have yeah I think that's a really good point and like you do save your child some exposure if the like the tendency to be addicted to something, mm-hmm. even a, even like a love addiction, a sex addiction, like yeah. all of those more like micro, I, I guess I, I can't say they're micro, but like any sort of like tendency they're going to have to be like 
compulsive about a behavior, if you can get them through their teenage years without doing it, there is a level of safety. But I think you're right. Totally. I think think those types of experiences introduce you to very big and at times dark emotions. And so if Mm -hmm. you can keep your kids from feeling that heaviness of life and emotions, like until they're like a little bit better able to handle it um, as they get older, like then I think that is like best practice. But that being said, kids are going to do what they're going to do and they're going to be just fine. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah, totally. I will just say as the favorite child, um, someone who literally was perfect in high school, like I, yeah, I turned out just fine. (laughs) You really did. Honestly, I, yeah, Chandler, you were, you had, I think you were the most like idyllic child for like our parents to, to have in high school. Yeah, that's true, Chan. You basically like didn't cause any strife at all whatsoever. Yeah. No, I think the only thing I, the only thing I seriously ever got in trouble for was I stayed, I didn't realize that I had a curfew and I stayed at Alex's house until 3 a.m. Just, I don't know, watching TV or something, doing something stupid. And mom was like, you have a curfew technically, right? You can't just stay at someone's house on a weeknight (laughs) till 3 a.m. And yeah, and I don't even think I got my phone taken away. I remember being in seventh grade and sneaking a bikini to the beach. Yes. Which was like my big, the big thing I did. And I snuck, I wore the bikini. I came home. No one knew, but I mistakenly didn't put on sunscreen. So when mom accidentally, when mom like saw, was, were you there for it too, Gord? I think this happened to me too. Oh, really? So mom saw your sunburn in Uh. their like tan (gasps) stomach and it was like. Yeah. Uh, That was actually funny because I remember mom's reaction was just sadness and I didn't even get punished. Like I disappointed her so deeply. I freaking, it's coming out now. I freaking lied and said I'd gone tanning. That was the better alternative for me was to say. And that's the problem for me is that has created, that has actually shaped my personality. Because your ability to lie, my ability to lie. (laughs) No, but I truly feel something to me like wearing a bikini was so harmless and I wanted it so bad. Yeah. I just feel like the minute I got freedom to do stuff like that, yeah, it like was so hard for me to go back to any of those rules. Don't you think, Courtney, there's like a level of, as an adult, you can never recreate the feeling of being like a 16-year-old wearing a bikini on a beach when you shouldn't be. Like the level, the high you the get high. from that, it's exhilarating. I would do anything to be like, oh, I didn't wear a bikini until – the summer after my freshman year of college, the only, like the closest thing I'd come to a bikini was like a tankini that wasn't like literally sewn to bottoms, <laughs> which is just a one. Oh yeah. You got to wear tankinis. And I just remember the feeling of water on my stomach and like it feeling like the sexiest possible thing. Oh, like, for sure. <laughs> I wore a bikini to the beach my summer after my freshman year of college and someone from my ward told on me, told mom about it. Yeah, that was classic. Mm-hmm. And it caused like this a huge thing to say the least. I don't know. Like this does this podcast doesn't need to be about like our religious upbringing, but you know, it was just like church, like being Mormon was like such a, was so important to our mom and is still so important in our, to our parents, I guess I should say. And it just, it, it's interesting as a parent that like the things that are important to you that you try to teach your children are important. Like it's just, those are hard languages to speak and they're hard translations to make. And it doesn't always translate yeah honestly as a parent though you actually start to understand like how much your parents just love you and only wanted the best for you so I have no 
no ill will towards any of it. Yeah. If anything, it just makes me see like what like extraordinary measures like my parents were willing to go to to like guarantee that I had like a happy, safe life. Totally. It's interesting. I obviously am not Mormon and haven't been for since I was 13 years old. But I would say that even though I'm not practicing or I don't believe in it, I feel like my values are so Mormon. Totally. Like I'm such a traditional person. I feel like I I just idolize and love family life and I want to be a mother and I like I just love stability and like the nuclear family and my values really align so much with Mormonism and I, I see the value there and I think the community is so incredible. I agree and truthfully like I'm more Mormon than anything else. That's what's totally. so hard for me with this question because I get this a lot on Instagram people are like are you Mormon? Are you Mormon? And my first instinct is always to say yes, but I don't yeah. think Mormons consider me Mormon. Totally, totally. Which is well, fair and totally not saying that's an inappropriate response, but like that's all I know is Mormonism. Yeah. And that's like and, yeah. all I can reference. It's like a layer of skin that I feel like I'll never be able to shed. It's just like my heritage. It's my family. It still is me in so many ways. You guys, cutting yeah. fresh off the cutting room floor, Ramona removed hashtag Roni from her bio. <gasps> What? Yeah. My what? Kelsey, friend of the podcast, just barely sent this to me. Is she, are they, do, are, is Bravo like cleaning house right now? I have no idea. What? This is yeah. nuts. What? So Ramona's done too. I wonder. I, it's got to be. Nothing's in the news yet. This is just a Twitter story I got sent. What? Courtney, this is hot off the press. Thank you. Bringing us back to the content people care about. Yeah, exactly. What really matters. <laughs> I know. Sorry. You guys, we can start that when you edit. Just be like, skip forward 15 minutes if you don't care yeah. about our like, religious like, unpacking. Yeah. Um, oh, but Ramona's out. It's crazy. Hold on. Can we talk about selling Sunset? Please. Chandler doesn't watch. So Chandler Sorry, can just, I'll, I don't know how much I'll go on mute. I'll just, I don't know, scroll through like Daily Mail. Chandler, it's a fantastic show. Uh, that's like, what I've heard. I think I have to get into it. I'm just like, I've, I'm just reluctant, but I love every single show you've ever recommended to me. It really is. I didn't think it would be that good. And I fall asleep to it every single night. If you had to go to lunch with one of the cast members of Selling Sunset, who would you go to lunch with? I, you okay, can pick any of them. I am not into Christine. I'm just going to say, I think Christine is like the opposite vibe I'm going for in life. Although I do respect her as a person what's her vibe and what a yellow car is the opposite of my vibe in life. yeah I just feel like she's so pretty but she's so severe her look is so severe it just is not appealing to me I don't know because I you guys but I will say you like a statement look you like you definitely are a glamorous woman and but make a statement um, in neutrals yeah so her aesthetic isn't your aesthetic and her personality like, yeah. I'm just not interested in the person who's, like, trying to be as confrontational as possible. I agree with you. And when I was first watching, I was very anti-Christine. But then I had this moment of, of awakening, and I realized that there really isn't wouldn't be a show without Christine. Totally. Otherwise, Absolutely. it would just be so boring. Like, Christine yep. is – the show is Christine. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely and right. Do you think she wears extensions? Yes. Hair extensions. You don't yes. think that's her real hair? Maybe in some scenes, but I definitely think that anything that can be like the the hair that goes to her low waist is that her real hair or is that extensions? That's what I want to know. 
That's definitely enhanced by extensions. Okay. That makes me feel better. Because I do. I actually, if we're just going to talk her look really quick, I want to say that her porcelain skin, I've never seen someone look so stunning rocking porcelain skin. I like don't. Like, it's not that I really disagree with you. Every time I look at her though. Yeah, her skin is beautiful and she's a beautiful girl. Her look is just so intense to me. It's just, I think I just yeah. like things that are like way more soft. To- totally same. Yeah. I'm not trying to wear a feather boa to Pizzeria 712 tonight. I was just curious about, <laughs> I can just appreciate the look for what it is. I think in LA, you have to do a lot of things like that if you're going to make a statement because everyone yeah. there is like capable of making some sort of statement. Everyone's Maya, trying to all make the a way. statement. So- Maya is the best. Maya is the one who I would be friends with. Yeah, totally. She's the most real. So Ma- most you'd want to go to lunch with Maya. Sure. Yes. Why is this show good? Give me like this. Just sell it to me for a little bit. I already did, Chandler. I already did a whole spiel on this show on this on the pod. Um, because so you- no, I just feel like you didn't sell me well enough. I remember you just talking about like, just sexy outfits, fun lunches, beautiful houses. Like what is so good about the drama? I guess is maybe my question. The drama is based around some, there's, there is castmate drama, which is entertaining, but like the most fun drama is just like, are these people going to buy this $6 million house or not? Which nothing is easier to fall asleep to at night than something like that. Like when you've like seen how many people in the U S have died of coronavirus and like where people are rioting and protesting, like there is like something amazing about literally going to La Land and just like mentally diving into what do rich people worry about when they're right what type of infinity pool like looks best yes is this like the last thing i saw was like does this garage fit 12 cars (laughs) oh that's a a fantastic problem to have there is a lot of stuff online that a lot of it's fake like there's this one tiktok where this girl was showing that she lived in one of the houses that they pulled up to and said that said that like they were supposed to show it and Christine was like my clients in Europe and unfortunately we can't open it right now and then the yeah, girl I, know, I remember in, that did you see that and the girl's like this no. is my house this is yeah some girl on TikTok was like showing a video and she's like this is my house I have no clue who these people are like wow oh my gosh yeah it's totally fake wow and Chrissy Teigen says she like extensively asked around and she says that no one she knows knows any of them which I don't know. It's in, yeah, I've done a little bit of a deep dive and they do seem like legit real estate agents. Christine, I know, has worked for the Oppenheim Group for five years. So I actually think they all were like legit agents and they all are on have their MLS licenses and all that and have for years. So I don't know if I, I don't mean, know about that far, but is it is being a real estate agent like that hard of a gig to get? Is it? I think actually being a real estate agent is really tough because okay, you have education. I think you, it's a hard test to pass. And then really? you have to basically, yeah, it's not the bar. Okay. It's not the MCAT, yeah. but it's a test, Chant. You have to study for it. And I think that you have to work as a real, unless you have like intense connections, you have to basically just hustle for a couple of years and make no money. And yeah, that's me. true. That's true. It's really is all the connections and referrals, which is like very hard. So you have to, if you have to drum all that up on your own, it takes years to get off the ground. And like most people, they can't work full time on their real estate job. That's making no money. So yeah, you heard it here first. All right. I heard it. I heard it. Oh, guys, uh, Lauren, should we do reviews? 
because I think we owe that to our listeners, this re- our darling reviews. Thank you to everyone who you know came out in support after we basically were despondent about the podcast and the amount of debt we're going into for it. We really appreciate everyone who Venmoed. Shout out Alex. I don't think anyone else Venmoed though, so I would like to see more dedication from the fans next time we're in a crisis. I, I definitely, I think fans is a generous word. I would probably call them listeners, listeners, listeners. and maybe and like honestly Sorry. charitable supporters in spirit. Like, more like close family and friends. Yes, absolutely. But I think that there's an outpouring of love because they heard the desperation in our voices a few episodes yep. back. And so we have a hot eight new reviews to read. Thank you, guys. Uh, like, ugh, beyond blessed. It's stunning. The, the last eight people who hadn't left a review were finally moved to do so. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. And this will probably be the final reviews we ever get on the pod. So yeah. these are the last reviews we're ever reading or In that we'll ever have. Yes. Uh, okay. I'm going to start us off. You want to take because, the first one? Yes. Uh, one of my writer dies. This review is entitled Like Fine China and it's by Mad Woods. Uh, Mad Woods, y'all, if you remember, she's my connection to Spencer Pratt. Hashtag Pratt Daddy. Okay, so her review entitled Like Fine China. Chris Brown put it perfectly. Pop apologist, you're irreplaceable, a collectible, just like Fine China. I can't get enough. Not only does this podcast make me forget all my worries, it has me laughing out loud, leaving the people in the streets of New York worried for my sanity. Love my pop apologists. Oh, and thank you for my shout out regarding hashtag Spencer Pratt. M. Woods, love you truly and woods and i at one point in our lives filmed a music video to american girls and that's on youtube so maybe it's time to you know resurrect that horrendous video of us in college love you thank you M. Woods, Mad Woods, love you. Um, just want to say that don't leave the people in the streets of New York worried for your sanity. Leave them with a hearty recommendation that they also listen to the pod. So please approach some strangers. That's what I would ask. Love you. Please. Okay, I'll read the next one. It's by um, Sam Sham Spamala. Great Gals is the title. From the rundown of this week's pop culture must-knows to their personal stories, these gals know how to tell a story. I often laugh out loud and am always better informed on the critical news after listening each week. I love their recaps on even the shows I don't watch. Keep it coming, Pop Apologists. Thank you so much. We feel like we are the Dan Rathers and the um, Barbara Walters of our time with the news that we're bringing you. But you can basically just forego your subscription to the New York Times Wall Street and Journal. just subscribe to Pop Apologist. We Get got gotcha. you. We got you covered. Thanks. Thanks, Sam Sham Spamala. You're the best. Love you. You are the best. Okay. This next one, Nikki Campbell, one of my favorite podcasts. I look forward to Wednesdays now because of you both. I legit laugh out loud and love your sister relationship. The support, humor, and banter you all have with each other is so real and refreshing. I want to hear life lessons from Deb and all about your family dynamics. Chandler, you are beautiful and witty and hilarious too. Don't stop the podcast. Nikki, you don't know how much healing just took place with me reading that review because I've been struggling to recover after Lauren left herself a fake review, um, only calling out (laughs) her abilities on this podcast. Even though I knew it was fake, it still did a number on me emotionally, and I feel healed and whole thanks to you. You did not know it was fake. I fully got you. Guys, two episodes back, the end of the episode, I left a fake review and had Chandler read it that basically just talked about how incredible I was. And it's a moment of high comedy. One of the best, one of the best reviews I would say we've ever gotten and best moments of the pod. Not even close. Thank you, Nikki Campbell. Yeah. Thanks, Nikki. So sweet. And very nice of you to say those things about Chandler. Okay. 
Next title, next review. Yes, by Amelia Tewitt. I love Pop Apologist. It's so light and funny, and I feel like I'm just hanging out with Lauren and Chandler having girl talk. They also have the best commentary on all things reality TV, music, and current pop culture, and I'm obsessed. Yay for Pop Apologist. Wow. All these reviews, Chandler, they just keep encouraging us to keep putting out our amateur podcast. And I don't keep know, up with the mediocrity. Truly, keep it up. <laughs> Chandler, all these reviews, they just are encouraging us to continue to throw our money down the drain and put out this mediocre podcast. But hey, I, I'm here to do it. I'm happy to do it. Also, I think this is a pal from school, Taylor Whitlock. I've got a feeling, uh, a la Black Eyed Peas. Um, so thanks for stopping by and leaving a review. Truly. Miss you. Hope you're doing well. Thanks, Tay Whitlock. Uh, okay. Hopefully she didn't want to be anonymous. <laughs> okay. Next one, Hope Hale, left on August 13th, 2020. On Wednesdays, we listen to Bob Apologists classic mean girl stunning Ugh, truly oh this one says i truly can't wait for wednesdays to get here pop apologist is such a great listen to hear about all the latest news and pop culture along with some great banter and hilarious stories of their personal lives reminds me of being with my own sister and best friends talking the ultimate girl talk with cozy blankets and popcorn in hand can't recommend this podcast enough oh my gosh thank you so much hope hale i truly appreciate it i want you to know that I hope that the uh, hilarious stories of our personal lives doesn't have anything to do with how pathetic our personal lives are, but thank you. I appreciate it. Nonetheless. Thank you so much. Hope Pale. (laughs) I feel so weird addressing people by their Apple usernames, but um, (laughs) thank you so much, girl. I just wish you were cozied up with a blanket and some popcorn with us someday. We'll have a pop apologist get together. Yeah. Yeah. Convention, if you will. A convention sounds great. The next one is delightful by Henderson. This podcast is everything a good podcast should be. Witty, thoughtful, and fun. Consider me a lifetime listener. I love it. I love the concise. I love it. I love the concision. Is that a word? Precision? Mm, not, I don't think concision is a word, but the, this is a review of economy. Mm-hmm, it truly is. And I, I really do appreciate it. And I think a lifetime listener, are you sure you're ready to sign up for that sort of commitment? But if you are, I do have a billion year contract you can sign. Drawn up. <laughs> absolutely we'll just need to do an audit of your past and then we can get that going a credit card number and then great you're a lifetime listener welcome aboard perfect welcome aboard to the pop apologist org (laughs) okay this next review is by our one of our number ones if not maybe our number one our number one the pop apologist number one truly our number one michael kennedy y'all should follow she's great it's entitled adopt me The pressure to make this a witty review is almost unbearable, but I just want more. Chan and Lauren are the epitome of cool. The girls you long to be friends with, smart, witty, hilarious, and effortlessly glamorous. In a stage of life where everyone around me is talking about sleep schedules and conspiracy theories, these two are a breath of fresh air. The friends whose opinions and stories I actually care about listening to. I would honestly pay a monthly subscription just to be added to their sisterly text thread. Also, their voices never get on my nerves, which is a major bonus. It is rare indeed to find people who have faces... And voices for, indeed, it is rare indeed to find people who have faces for television and voices for radio. Just saying. I mean, someone put me in a coffin and bury me. I'm I'm dead. dead. This is, we don't deserve this, Chandler. We don't deserve this. We should call it. This is it. We should call it. 
it's honestly everything after this is going to feel uh mediocre and sad it is all downhill from here we are at the top of the mountain we are peaking the fact that honestly the fact that you would want to be added to our sisterly text thread is incredibly kind um i hate to inform you that a lot of it is fighting not fighting but it squabbles nonetheless and a lot of it is just venmo requests yeah (laughs) michael please adopt us we love you I want to be a Kennedy. That's yep. for sure. It's a better last name. So why don't she? Why doesn't she just adopt us? Please. We can have the paperwork drawn up. No big deal. Absolutely. Our dad will to handle the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Mikkel. Seriously, thank you so much. Love you, you are truly a, like a sister. Our number one. Okay, last po- last review. Probably our last review ever. Singly, single handedly saving me during the pandemic. From the very first episode at the onset of quarantine, my gals, Lauren and Chandler, and at time at the time, Megan, had me at Prison Dip and Jailhouse Hooch. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard during a podcast episode. I really needed that. And the laughs just keep coming. Chandler's marshmallow nails, Lauren's poetic metaphors, Courtney's passion for Prince William. These are just a sampling of what awaits you in this podcast. Though we watch virtually none of the same shows, though we virtually watch none of the same shows, I'm all Bachelor Nation all the time. Don't judge me. I found myself Googling their subjects while I listen. It's been a real pop culture education. I am team Megan and Harry as well. So you'd think I'd have stopped listening to these royal apologists a long time ago. But no, they keep bringing the goods. They have a great mix of sister banter and astute cultural observations. I'd recommend it to anyone with ears. P.S. Free Megan and Harry. Wow. Wow. I think we need to get this girl on because not only is she articulate as hell, but she clearly has an opinion. And maybe we could have a, a Megan, we could have a royal debate. I would love a royal debate, maybe right around when The Crown's supposed to debut again in October. Mm -hmm. How apropos. (laughs) I'd recommend it to anyone with ears. I never felt so highly complimented. I just feel bad about the earless people that she's not recommending it to. I know. But that's okay. Maybe we can have another reviewer reach out to that community. (laughs) (laughs) So nice. This is too generous. I just too kind. It is I just do want to update the listeners that we are currently at one four-star and one one-star review. I don't know what's happening there, but if you're planning on leaving us anywhere between a one and a four-star review, don't bother. Just throw your phone in a gutter before you do anything even even close to that. Like, I'd rather die than be considered a four-star podcaster. I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather be stabbed in the face. Okay. Thank Um, you all. Baby Sippy Cup, I think that's her name. Thank you so much. You're, you are truly a wonderful woman. We love you all. We love all the reviewers. And if you haven't left us a review, this is a way you can help our podcast. So please leave us a review. It helps with the it helps with the algorithm. That's what they tell us. Yeah, so. that's what that's coming down from Tim Cook. Uh, guys, Lauren had to buy herself a a mattress this week with her own money. And if we could just get a Casper sponsorship, like. It would just really mean the world to us. I bought, I'm, I feel like that's a weird thing to say. Like I had to buy a mattress. I bought a mattress since Kagan and I are staying in Courtney's house and she didn't have a bed for us. So I bought us a mattress. Yes. And I'm just clarifying that story. But yes, yeah. we would love any sort of sponsorship. Our stats are basically flatlining. So if you could just tell your friends about the pod, try to get us more listeners. Spread the good it would, word. It would truly mean everything. Thank you. Please. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. That's all for now, folks. 
Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at popapologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Talk to you later, sis. Love you. Bye. Love you. Do you ever worry about running out of interesting things to say to friends when you actually get to see them? Then we've got the perfect podcast for you. I'm Eve Yohalem, and each week on Book Dreams, my co-host Julie Sternberg and I use books to explore fascinating questions, like what happened when a Harvard professor staked her reputation on an alleged gospel of Jesus's wife that turned out to be fake? And how did debut author Tom Lynn save the American Western by blowing it to bits? Are pigeons rats with wings or wonder birds? And what's the who, what, when, where, how, and especially why of books bound in human skin? Recent and upcoming Book Dreams highlights include conversations with Booker Prize-winning author Marlon James, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Catherine Schultz, and Merlin scholar Dr. Laura Campbell. You can listen to Book Dreams wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Beerley and I'm Jennifer Chaikin and we're licensed marriage and family therapists, owners of The Therapy Group and hosts of The Shrink Chicks Podcast. Every week we bring you a new episode where we dive into therapeutic topics like inner child work, dating anxiety, family dynamics, relationships and burnout, making them more relatable and understandable, leaving the psychobabble behind. We address the things you've been dying to ask your therapist but don't know how and work to help you stop shooting all over yourself with the expectations society can put on us. Tune in every Monday to Shrink Chicks on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to follow along and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Prepare to learn all about you, because in order to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. Hey.